That's my preaching text for today. Mark chapter 1, verses 28 to 45. Turn in your Bibles. Mark chapter 1, verses 28 to 45. And Cafe, welcome you guys. Y'all got your Christmas trees up in there, I see. Uh, what's going on, people? Okay, before, I, before I rag on the cafe, how many of you have your Christmas tree up in your house? How many of you? Seriously? Really? How many of you have my Christmas present already wrapped in under your tree? Okay, then it's okay. Then that's good. That, that, that's good. No, I'm just not that guy. It takes me a while. I think a lot of it is uh, Casey and I were in school for so long. Remember, I, I, I have a PhD. I was in school forever. Casey was in school a long time. So for the longest time, the first years of our marriage, we put up our tree after finals, you know, because our whole life was sort of around a school schedule. So even now, I just, I can't, I can't do it, you guys. I'm not even in the Thanksgiving spirit yet. Uh, so uh, it, it takes me a while. But in, in other news, Stephen Ham is growing a beard, y'all. Have you noticed this? Uh, Stephen Ham is growing a beard. So that's happening. Just so you know, it's happening. Yeah, ladies, control yourselves. Um, but you can't come by and rub it for luck if you want to a little bit later. How many days growth is that, Stephen? How long have you been letting that go? Five days? You can do that in five days? Oh, man, by this time next week, you'll be the wooliest booger we've ever seen up in here. Yeah, vanilla gorilla on the front pew there. I am finishing up today a sermon series entitled Relationship Rehab. We've been talking about emotionally healthy relationships. And what we've been trying to say is there's some kind of missing link in the way that most of us as churches disciple people because we have people that by our own marks are, are spiritually mature, but very, very relationally dysfunctional. I've said you really can't call yourself a good Christian if you're not at the same time a good husband, a good wife, a good friend, a good neighbor, a good employee. It just doesn't work that way. We've said that a lot of people are emotionally wounded, relationally wounded, but we come to church and instead of healing, we hide. I want to talk about that one more day today. We're going to talk about boundaries and relationships. As it turns out, a lot of us end up hiding, as we've said, in relationships that for us, we consider them Christian relationships because we're helping people and we love to help people. Uh, but sometimes helping people isn't helping anybody. And I want us to be a little more serious today about the example of Jesus that we follow. When I was a kid, sometimes my grandma would watch me and I can remember being just little, a little dude with my grandmother. And sometime in the middle of the afternoon, whatever I was doing, she would look at me and say, somebody needs a nap. Anybody ever heard those words? Somebody needs a nap. Why did she say that? What was she observing? She knew I needed a nap. Now, when she would say it, this would be offensive to me because I'm thinking, listen, lady, I can go all day. I mean, in my mind, that's what I'm thinking. I can go all day. You know, I mean, I don't want to hear no nap business. I, I got, you know, things to do. I was four, you know. But she could see that, but I couldn't see that. In my mind, I didn't need a nap ever. Naps were for babies. I didn't believe I needed a nap. I also, at the same time, believed that my tricycle was the Batmobile. I believed that I could take an umbrella and jump off the roof of the barn and float down like Mary Poppins. That didn't work. 
I believed I could ride the vomit comet at Beach Bend and not vomit. I believed I could eat a large pan pizza at Pizza Hut if they just let me. You understand? At that time in my life, I sort of had an unrealistic idea of my own potential and possibility. But my grandmother could look at me on any given afternoon and she could see something I could not see. I needed a nap, right? She could see my limits. My grandmother could look at me and she knew my limits. I did not know my limits, but understand, knowing your limits is a mark of maturity. Now, this is where we're starting today. You and I are limited. We're just limited. I I know, I know, all your life you've been told you can be anything that you want to be, but that's not really true. I'm not trying to, you know, steal your dreams, but just looking across the crowd here, ain't none of y'all going to be swimsuit models. I I mean, (laughs) dream it all you want. You know, not going to happen. Probably not going to be a ballerina. Some of you never going to have a head of hair. You know, I I mean, you're just not. I mean, it's not true that we can literally be everything that we want to be. There are certain things that are just simply never going to be available and never going to be possible for, for you and me. And there's nothing wrong with that. We're human. We're just simply human. There are some things that will never be available, never be possible. Other things are available and possible but are forbidden. They're off limits. I mean, just understand, God has designed our lives in such a way where we are supposed to live within limits. It's just the truest thing I know how to tell you. There are just boundaries in which my life is is to be lived, and I'm telling you, when I find those boundaries, when I surrender to the limits God has set upon me, inside those lines that he draws for me, I'm going to find satisfaction, I'm going to find the fullness of joy, I'm going to find his favor. I'm telling you, you just sort of find the lines that God has drawn for you, and, and you live inside those lines, and that is the secret to life. So we have limits, and accepting those limits and knowing your limits is a mark of maturity. It's only a, you know, a toddler who really, really thinks that, you know, he can jump off the barn with an umbrella, you know? Knowing your limits is a mark of maturity. Now, in the same way, healthy relationships live inside healthy boundaries. What do I mean by boundary when I talk about relationships? What are boundaries? Well... Boundaries are are the lines that we draw, and and even as believers, and I would say especially as believers, we should be very, very mindful of the healthy boundaries that are in relationships. I I am me, and you are you, and, and there's a separation between us. We love each other, but there's a certain place where your life you know, ends and my life begins where your choices end and my choices begin. You have responsibilities. I have responsibilities. You understand? They're just lines or boundaries between us, and it's healthy to recognize those boundaries. Now, I'll be the first to say I have struggled with this. I've always struggled with this. I have a really hard time uh, understanding where your responsibility ends and my responsibility begins. It's probably part of why, part of why it was easy for me to drift toward ministry because I love to help people. I love to help people. But, but because I love so much to be the helper, sometimes I don't know how to be anything else in a relationship except a helper. And so I, I often have found myself in relationships where I'm helping people, but when I help, I mean, I come in and I help. I mean, in other words, I don't always know when to quit. I can do way too much. 
I can actually end up working harder than you're working to try to fix your life. You understand? I sometimes lose the boundaries there, and I'm just trying to say that healthy relationships live inside healthy boundaries. Now, this is hard for us as believers, and I'm telling you, this is a gospel issue. Because very, very often we think that we're actually, you know, being like Jesus by doing so much, by helping people, by never telling anybody no. See, that's part of my problem. I always thought that it wasn't nice to tell people no. So I went through life in the first 10 years of my ministry telling everybody yes. And just let me tell you from experience, if you don't know how to tell people no, if you just tell everybody yes, you will end up living a life that Christ never intended for you. So if you're thinking that it's Christ-like, just simply to disappear into the lives of other people, if you think it's Christ-like, just always to help, always to say yes, if, if you think that you're following Jesus, then honestly, you have a very partial and perhaps uninformed picture of who Jesus is and what Jesus was like on earth. I'll give you a couple of questions just to consider when you're thinking about boundaries. First off, number one, do you have a hard time saying no to others even when you're very busy, financially broke, or completely exhausted. Do you know how to say no to people? Again, I'm confessing, I've gotten much, much better, but there was a time when I really struggled with this. Did not know how to say no. Are you always sacrificing your own needs for everyone else? I sometimes don't even know what I need because I don't even stop to consider what I need. And for the longest time, I thought, well, that's just being very Christ-like. Actually, no, we're going to talk about Jesus in just a moment. Number three, if you stop helping your friends or family members, would you feel guilty or worthless? Like if you just told them no, like you got that son and you've been supporting him and he's 40, you know, and you're the only one that gets up every day and goes to work. But, but, but if you ever tell him no, you know, he'll come back at you and you'll end up feeling like a bad mother. You, you know what I mean? Would you just feel guilty or worthless if you stop helping? Would you know how to be in a relationship that doesn't revolve around your being the helper? Number five, do you feel resentful when others are not grateful enough to you for your efforts at rescuing them or fixing their lives? You ever find yourself resenting people for them letting you do everything for them, you know, it's just, it's a weird kind of dynamic. Number six, do you often feel surrounded by people with particularly chaotic lives with one crisis after another? Are those the people that you gravitate toward? Chaotic lives, you always find yourself with people who have one crisis after another. This is just what I'm saying. And you find yourself jumping in to help. Now, I'll say not everybody's like this. And my fear in preaching today's sermon is that the wrong people will hear it and the ones who need to hear it won't. You know, I mean, some of you, you, know, don't, you, know, you don't have this bone in your body. Like, you're not really worried. Like, you, you all the time taking care of yourself. But you're going to hear this sermon and think, yeah, I think Pastor Tim's right. I need a little more me time. I need some me time. You know, the wrong people are going to be scheduling me time this week, you know. Meanwhile, those of you, you know, who really, really need to consider boundaries, you're you're likely to really struggle with hearing this. The, the problem is, as I said, we often think that we're being like Jesus. I often have thought in my life 
that, it, that Jesus just wanted me to be nice, and being nice meant doing everything for everybody no matter what. So if you asked me for money, I would give you my last dollar if it was my last dollar. And some of you are just like that. If you say, Pastor Jim, do you have a minute? I will give you a minute if I don't have a minute. That's just always kind of been the way I've struggled. I always thought that somehow I was being like Jesus, but honestly, I must have never really paid any attention to Jesus. The passage we're looking at today, really, you could do this in any place in the Gospels. You just sort of pick out any, any, any narrative, any story, series of stories that shows you Jesus in motion, and you'll realize pretty quickly, this is a man with very healthy boundaries. Now understand, Jesus is perfect, and Jesus loves perfectly. So in relationships, he is your example, but you got to understand what his example is about. Notice Jesus, a couple of things. First off, Jesus embraced his human limitations. Now, Jesus is fully God. This is, you know, doctrine now. Jesus is fully God, but he's also fully human at the same time. And so, Jesus, it's the miracle of the incarnation, and it's the essence of, 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 of the miracle of, of who he is. He embraces human limitations. He was in every way God, but he became human which means he assumed a regular human body, which means simple things like Jesus needed rest and Jesus needed nutrition. And Jesus had to take certain measures to care for his own self. Do you understand? He had human limitations and he just simply embraces them. And you see it in this passage. You see it when Jesus says, you know, we're gonna leave this place and go to other towns. I mean, Jesus was limited to space and time. He could only be one place at one time. He only had 24 hours in the day. He had work that the Father had given him, and he was totally faithful in every single day and every single moment of his life to do the work that the Father gave him. But he managed to do it inside human limitations. Do you see? He only had so many hours in the day. He only had so much human energy. And it's really pretty amazing the way Jesus just continues to be human and healthy. He, he accepts his human limitations. On top of that, Jesus had certain personal needs he prioritized without guilt. Now, some of you wouldn't know what that would even be like, but notice how many times in this passage, the whole passage begins with the news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the entire region and so big crowds start following him. Everywhere Jesus goes, there's a crowd, and they want something from him. And Jesus has come to seek and to save the lost. Jesus has come to do the will of the Father. Jesus has come to destroy the works of the evil. And I mean, Jesus has come with a big mission, and it involves people. But you've got to understand, Jesus doesn't do everything that everybody wants him to do. He single-mindedly focuses on the work that the Father has for him, and there are a lot of good things he could do at any given moment that he doesn't do because it's not for him. Notice how many times in this passage that, that, that people draw to him. I mean, people gather around him, and, and Jesus moves on. He just moves on. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray, verse 35. I mean, notice how many times the crowd crushes around him and he just pulls aside to be alone with the Father. 
If you'll notice Jesus' own personal spiritual needs, he never compromises. He never neglects. He somehow always manages to have that margin to step back and have time alone with the Father. If Jesus needs time alone with the Father, what do you think you need? But you'll say, Pastor Tim, I just don't have time. I don't have time in a 24-hour day. I don't have any time to read my Bible. You know, well, you got 24 hours a day just like everybody else, just like Jesus. And you just need to understand, God will always give you everything you need to do everything he wants you to do every day. So at the end of a day, if, if, if you don't have enough time, if you're out of energy, if you're out of money, if, if you're out of resources, I mean, just understand, if you find yourself drained emotionally, physically, financially, I'm just telling you, you are obviously trying to do things that God never intended that you do. You're trying to live a life that God doesn't want you to live because I'm telling you, he provides everything you need to do everything he wants you to do every single day. Jesus has certain personal needs he prioritizes without guilt. It's absolutely amazing. Large crowds soon surrounded Jesus. He couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere, so he stayed out in secluded places. Do you see that? It's called boundaries, people. Jesus knows exactly when he can be available. Jesus ensures that he is always ministering to people from a place of fullness because it is a miserable thing to be trying to help other people from a place of emptiness. Jesus prioritizes personal needs without guilt. Number three, Jesus is perfectly loving but not always nice. I know, you're thinking, well, Jesus was nice. Yeah, it depends on your definition of nice. Now, as I say, growing up and, and sort of being in, I don't know, maybe it's got something to do with being Southern or just being in church or just kind of always wanting to be a good, a good guy. I just always thought nice meant doing everything that everybody asked you to do. And I want to be nice. And I felt like Jesus wants me to be nice. And so that meant never saying no. I mean, I'll do anything anybody asks me to do. But I'm telling you, that's not always what it means to be perfectly loving. Jesus is perfectly loving, but he does not do everything everybody wants him to do. The, the crowd presses on. Everybody's looking for you. They tell Jesus in verse 37. In verse 38, Jesus says, yeah, but we've got other towns to visit as well. He moves on. I mean, the crowd still wants them. There are still sick people there that need to be healed. There are still blind people that need to have their eyes open. There are still lame people that need to, you know, have new legs. And on and on and on it goes. But Jesus says, I've, I've got work to do in other towns. And he leaves. Isn't this sinking in yet? I mean, do you understand? This is exactly the kind of life that you and I often don't allow ourselves to live. I mean, as long as there's somebody asking us to do something, as long as somebody needs something from us, man, we're going to stay right there. And I'm telling you, that's not always perfectly loving. I mean, sometimes in always trying to be nice, you're really not being nice at all. You're allowing people sometimes never to grow themselves, never to stand on their own feet. And often in your effort to imitate Jesus, you're not like Jesus at all. Man, uh, like I said, I've struggled with niceness. 
Years ago, there was a woman in our church, and she's with the Lord now. God bless her soul. I, I, I loved her. I loved her. I, I'd known her in college. She'd been a friend of mine for a long time. But she was really troubled and, uh, and really sort of a lonesome soul. And God bless her. Um, when I came back as your pastor 25 years ago, she started calling me every day. She'd call me every day. But she didn't say anything. I'm not kidding y'all. She would call me and then breathe. I'd say, good morning. I mean, I know it's her. She'd say, you know, hey, Tim, how are you? I'd say, I'm fine. How are you? She'd say, and she'd breathe. I'd say, well, how are you? She'd breathe again. Like, you know what I mean? Like breathe. Not like an obscene call. Just like breathe rather than say words. Y'all, I'm not exaggerating. She would breathe. And I'm thinking, you called me. Why did you call me? To breathe? Apparently. She called me every day to breathe. And there's kind of an unwritten rule. When somebody calls you, they're in control of the conversation. Like, I figured she called to tell me something, so I feel like I got to stay on the line until she says it. But she would never say it. She would breathe. And y'all, I'm just saying, I was, I, I thought I was nice enough to just sit on the phone with her. But now I realize I was just kind of dumb enough. I would sit there on the, like, I would hold the phone, you know, under my shoulder and try to type out the bulletin, you know. I'd just work while she breathed. Because I didn't know how to say, are you going to say anything or not? I got work. I mean, you know, I didn't want to not be nice. And so this woman would have me an hour sometimes, sometimes an hour and a half, sometimes two hours a day. And, and, and sometimes I'd spend the time trying to get it out of her, but she never said anything. Uh, you understand? And, and so out of my desire you know, to, to, just to be nice, I, I found myself just really struggling because I, I wanted to love her perfectly, but I wasn't. That, that wasn't because I started resenting her. You know what I mean? It's like every time the phone rings, if it's her breathing, I'm just like, oh, you know, I can't. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Do you not? You do? It's, it's like all of a sudden, like, I'm just like, you know, I get mad at her because she had me on the phone for two hours, but actually she didn't. I made that choice. Understand? I made that choice. Now, I'm a full-time pastor, and I want to love people like Jesus would love people. You understand, if I'm spending two hours a day listening to a woman breathe, that means there's a lot of things I'm not doing that, that might even be more productive. Y- y- y'all want to know what I did, and, and this is, I, I think this is one of the ways the Lord has helped me grow through this. Um, I started doing something magical. I would call her, <laughs> not in breathe. <laughs> that's, that's what y'all do. Just call her and breathe. No, no. I would just, when I get to the office, I'd call her first thing. I'd say, how are you today? Listen, I've I've only got a few minutes, but I just wanted to check in with you. You see that? I've only got a few minutes. That's called a boundary. I I had a few minutes. I didn't have two hours, but I had a few minutes just to check in with her. Are are you okay? You're going to have a good day today? Listen, let let me have a word of prayer with you. You understand? In other words... I learned to give her what I could give her joyfully and not just give her what she was asking for because honestly, she never really asked for anything. She just called me and breathed. This desire to be nice, if you and I are thinking that that helps us be more like Jesus, that's not 
anything at all like Jesus was. Jesus tells people no. Jesus goes on to the other town while there's still a line of people wanting to talk to him. It's, it, it's pretty amazing. I really like the part where he heals the leper in verses 41, 42, 43. He heals the leper and then he sends him on, away, on his way with a stern warning. He says, don't tell anybody about this. Instead, go to the priest, let him examine you, take along the offering. See, Jesus is helping the man. But at the same time, Jesus requires the man to be some sort of participant in his own help and healing. Do you see that? Like, he expects the man to do something. You and I end up in, in situations where we think we're helping people, but we're the only one doing any work. As I say, you've been supporting your son who's completely able-bodied, but you're the only one that gets up and goes to work. There's something wrong with that. There's something wrong with that. And that's not truly being loving. It's not actually being helping. You're allowing a 40-year-old man to never learn how to be a man, never learn how to stand up and go to work. You see? So we think we're being nice. We think we're following Jesus. But that's not the example of Jesus at all. Jesus heals the man, but then he expects the man to get up, go to the priest, you know, and, and, and take some responsibility for his own help and healing. I just think I read the Bible a long, long time, and, and, and I, I, I portrayed Jesus sort of according to what I thought Jesus should be like rather than just really understanding who Jesus was, what he was like. He's perfectly loving in every relationship. Understand, the, the boundaries in relationships we're talking about, in a very simple way, they ensure that I won't harm you and that you won't be able to harm me. Now, I know that's basic. Like, well, you know, dang, Pastor Tim, that sounds like you think people are dangerous. No, but, but we can hurt each other in a lot of ways. And boundaries ensure that I, I, that I don't hurt you and that you don't harm me in any way. And that's just smart, to have those kind of boundaries. You say, well, Pastor Tim, Jesus said turn the other cheek. He did, right? And so in your mind, it's that idea that, you know, man, you just got to stand there and take it. If you're in an abusive marriage, you just got to show up every day and take it. You got to remain and receive whatever abuse somebody wants to hand out. And I'm telling you, if you think that was what Jesus was like, you haven't read the Gospels. I mean, true, Jesus said, turn the other cheek. It's a lesson in non-retaliation. But at the very same time in another passage, when people were going to you know, pick up stones to throw and kill Jesus, he escaped. Because only an idiot would stand there and let people stone him. You understand? I mean, yes, Jesus was perfectly loving, but he did not just stand there and let people stone him. He didn't just let them throw him off a cliff in another instance. You understand? He escaped through the crowd. There's nothing Christ-like about allowing people to mistreat you, about allowing people to abuse you. If you're thinking that you're following Jesus by being some sort of doormat person, Jesus was not a doormat. He was a perfectly loving, completely kind and gentle and compassionate, but understand, he had boundaries. He was doing the work of the Father on the Father's timeline. He laid down his own life when the time came, but in the meantime, he never let his mission be hijacked by others. Y'all just look at me, I have no idea what you're thinking, but I'll just keep right on going. Healthy boundaries protect each one's space, dignity, and freedom. I mean, this is why boundaries are honoring. 
You're in this relationship with this person who just continues to, to, to not respect your time or not respect your work, and, and they just ask for so much, and you give them everything they ask for. And, and I'm telling you, you would feel like if you started drawing lines that that's not being loving, right? Like this person who continues to need you to pay you know, their electric bill every other month. Well, understand, because I've done this at church. Somebody calls and say, Pastor Jim, can you help me with my electric bill? I say, well, our church loves to help. But it looks like we just helped you two months ago. Yeah, but that was two months ago. Well, then I start thinking, okay, two months ago you were being disconnected. If you're being disconnected now, that means you did not pay your electric bill last month. So that means the only people paying your electric bill is me. You know? And there's something wrong when every single you know, time the electric bill comes, you know, you're expecting somebody else to pay that. You, you understand? And it's actually not allowing that person, that that's not loving. And it feels mean to say, no, actually, I think the church has helped you as much as we can help you. You know, and sometimes it seems like, man, to tell people no, that's not being kind, that's not being generous. Well, actually, it honors people. It honors their freedom, it honors their dignity. It honors their space. It honors them as a person. I'm telling you, healthy boundaries are, are, are not in, in any way cruel or non-Christian. It, it respects people. Without boundaries, you won't enjoy healthy, loving relationships. I'm just telling you this. If you don't know how to set boundaries, I mean, just you're going to get more and more of what you're getting. As we started out saying, if, if you're just in, in this world and surrounded by people who depend on you for everything and, and you're surrounded by people whose lives are in chaos and surrounded by people who go from one crisis to another and you're always bailing them out, I'm telling you, until you learn to establish boundaries, they will continue to never function and you will overfunction until you fizzle. It, it's never going to happen without boundaries. I mean, this is just the, it, it's just, it's Christian maturity, you all. Without boundaries, you'll find it hard to say no or to speak your own mind. You won't even know how to speak your own mind. You just will always align yourself with everybody else's opinion. But, but what happens here is that God's given you a mind and, and God's given you purpose. And, and God has given you resources and you're supposed to be a good steward of everything God has given you. But if you just allow your life to be controlled, but by the people in your life, I'm telling you at that point, you could quickly find yourself living a life that God never intended that you live, and you're calling that being a Christian disciple. I'm gonna keep going. Without boundaries, you'll invite disrespect and abuse, yet you'll resent people for taking advantage of you. You kinda have to have lived here to understand this. If you really understand this, so one day I was in Bowling Green early. It was like 7.45 in the morning. It was before 8. And a woman called me from Franklin. And she said, Pastor Tim, can you come? I said, you know, if, if you need me, I can come. What do you need? She said, I really need to go to the bathroom. I said, we'll go. <laughs> she was shut in, and she needed help to get to the bedside commode. I said, well, I'm in Bowling Green. She said, well, I think I can hold it. I said, you have family. Could, could your son? She said, well, he, sleep, he likes to sleep in. So I went. Like, I went. I, I mean, what am I going to do? I mean, again, y'all know me. 
So, I mean, but don't, let's not make a thing of this, you know. <laughs> so I went, because I thought, you know, gosh, okay, just this one time, so uh, I helped her to, to the commode, you know, and I loved her. I mean, I, she's a good lady, and I, I wouldn't want to see her, you know, in that kind of trouble. So um, anyway, like two days later, she calls me again, like same time. Like apparently she has bowel movements at a quarter to eight, you know, every morning. And I'm now, you know, the full-time toilet escort or whatever you call it. Um, so I went the second time. But the second time in my heart, you know, and I think you're all saying, Pastor Tim, you're an idiot. I mean, you know, um, I love our people. You know, I, I just, and I, and I don't want anybody to be in that sort of situation. But, but the thing is, see, I'm the one that drives to Bowling Green Franklin to put a lady on the toilet, but then I end up resenting her, you know, and I get there and I'm mad at her. You know, I don't act mad, but in my heart, I'm just thinking, you know, mm, you know. Um, but but th- that's my lack of boundaries. D- d- do you see that? that? That's my inability to say, you know, uh, I'm happy to come this one time, but now next time you're, you're probably going to have to wake up your son. I mean, you know, it's just boundaries, you all. And, and, and maybe I'm the worst one in the room, but I have a feeling I'm talking to a lot of people who live lives like this. And this is what we do. And, and again, we tell ourselves that we're helping people. We tell ourselves we're being like Jesus, but, 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 but we're not. So a couple of things, uh, just boundaries for beginners, all right? It's okay to say no. It's just okay to say no because understand when you say yes, you're saying no to other things. That's why Jesus says, yeah, you know, everybody's looking for you, Jesus, but Jesus says, yeah, but, but we must go on to other towns because Jesus understands, well, I could say yes to these people, but to say yes to these people means I'm saying no to people in other towns. And see, this is what you and I often don't do when we're saying yes and no. We, we just say yes to the person in front of us who has a need, but when you say yes to that person, you're saying no to your wife that you know has supper waiting for you on the table, and, and you continue to do that. You say yes to other people, and you don't really consider the way your yes to them is a no to her. That's why as a church, and, and maybe I'm a weird kind of pastor, but but very often, I mean, some of you know I've done it to you. I just sort of tap you on the shoulder and think and, and ask you, do you really need four jobs at church? I, I don't want you so busy at church that you don't have a life at home. I don't want you so busy at church that you don't have time to, you know, go meet your neighbors and find out if they know Jesus. I mean, you understand? We just say yes to everything, not considering the fact that when you say yes to one thing, you've said no to a whole lot of other things. Man, if I say yes to the woman who wants to keep me on the phone and breathe for two hours, that's two hours out of my day. And and God has called me to pastor, and you all pay me to pastor, and I'm not sure two hours on the phone with one lady is a good stewardship of my time. I'm using my personal examples because I, I guess I don't want to call out your personal examples, but you know what I mean? It's okay to say no because every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to a lot of other things. So I think this is part of why Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Pay close attention to what you say yes and no to and don't for a minute fall for the devil's lie that it's not loving to say no. Everything is not for you to do, say no. 
Number two, it's okay to protect your own time and resources. That, that, that's okay. It's okay. You need time to do what God wants you to do. And I'm telling you, if you do what everybody else wants you to do, you'll never find out what God wanted you to do. And if the devil knows all it takes to keep you occupied is to line people up, then he'll just line people up. You have to be able to step back. You have to spend time with the Lord. You have to care for your own soul. It's like on the airplane when they tell you, in case of a sudden loss of cabin pressure, which they say that like that wouldn't be, you know, horrible. In case of a sudden, you know, loss of cabin pressure, you know, uh, oxygen mass will, you know, descend from the ceiling. And, and if you're traveling with small children, what? Put your own mask on first. Why is that? That sounds selfish. Why a selfish mother are you? No, that's smart. Because you can't help your kid if you're wallowing around on the airplane floor, you know, turning blue because you got no oxygen. But, but, but this is your life. This is your life. People are lining up wanting more and more from you, and you're wallowing around on the floor without any oxygen, without any energy, with, without anything left over, because you don't know how to be a steward. You don't know how to protect what God has given you. He's only given you 24 hours in a day. He's only given you the money in your pocket. I mean, yeah, you can continue to just not consider that, but I'm telling you, if you're going to follow Christ, you're going to have to learn how to set boundaries. One more. This is a hard one. It's okay to set limits on invasive people. Now, when I say invasive, I don't mean they're bad people. I just mean there are people who will always kind of overstep the boundaries. They don't have boundaries, you know? And, and it's okay to set limits for people who don't have any. Children, for example, need boundaries. And good parents know how to set boundaries. Um, parents who aren't so effective typically don't know how to set boundaries for the kids, you, you know? And so it's okay. You know, people who don't have boundaries, you can set limits for them. I'm just saying, in your life, if your agenda every day is going to be set by the, by the loudest complainer in your family or the most manipulative person in your life, you understand? Or, or the person who's always needy, I'm telling you, if that person can control your attitude and your behavior every single day, you're not going to end up following Jesus by just simply surrendering to whatever they're asking you to do. It's, it's kind of amazing. In the Gospel of John, the end of Jesus' ministry, he's praying to the Father, and he, and, he, and he says to God, he says, I have glorified you by completing the work that you have sent me to do. I think it's an amazing thing. Jesus says, I have completed the work you've sent me to do. So that means Jesus, at the end of his life, said, I have done everything I was sent to do. Now, I love that. But I also am a little, I wonder at that because it's interesting. I know how much Jesus accomplished in his life. I know what he did. I also know there's a lot of good things he never did do. Like Jesus says, I have completed everything the Father has sent me to do. But Jesus never established a hospital. I mean, that would have been really, really good. He, he could have established a hospital. I mean, Jesus says, I, I have done everything. I've done all the work the Father sent me to do. But not everybody was saved. He said he had come to seek and save the lost, but not every lost person was saved. 
There was still a whole lot of sick people. There was just a world of lonesome people, whole world of sinners that never heard his name. Jesus never really traveled outside of a 40-mile radius. He never even went to any other continents. You see what I'm saying? I mean, he never made sure that all the orphans found families. I mean, Jesus says, I have done all the work the Father has sent me to do, and yet there were so many good things left undone. So did you understand? Jesus did the work the Father sent him to do, but obviously it wasn't for him to do it all. And if it wasn't Jesus' mission to try to do it all, it's not your mission either. At the end of any day, there are going to be a lot of good opportunities that you could have taken advantage of, but they just weren't for you. Now, as a church, all of us together, we have to consider this. That there are a world of, of things that we could do, good things. There, there are ministries we could support, missionaries we could fund. I mean, there's so many opportunities, but all of those aren't ours. That's why we have to focus. We have to be before the Lord. We have to try to figure out what does God want us to do? Because... God knows that we're limited. And the way God works, he, he sort of sets boundaries for our lives. And, and we have to know those limits and, and surrender to those boundaries. Because inside those boundaries, that, that's where true joy and satisfaction and meaning, that's where the work the Father has sent us to do will be done. And when we learn how to do the work the Father has sent us to do, follow him, please him, understand, that's when we will be blessed, and that is when we will be a blessing to others. Understand? Inside, healthy boundaries. That's the gospel way. Pray with me. Lord, it is hard because we love to help and we love to be nice. And somehow we've always thought that just being nice and helping somehow added up to being like Jesus. But Lord, in the meantime, um, Sometimes the relationships that we get involved in, they're not healthy. Sometimes, Lord, it turns out that our efforts to help don't really help anybody. Sometimes, Lord, we do more harm than good by always giving people what they want, Lord. Jesus, you on earth, you loved every single person and you loved them perfectly. And sometimes you made them angry. And sometimes, Lord, you told them no. And sometimes you put them to work, and sometimes you sent them to do hard things, and sometimes you rebuked them and corrected them. Lord, sometimes you challenged them. Sometimes, Lord, you ah, erupted with righteous anger. But in none of those moments, Lord Jesus, were you anything less than perfectly loving. So help us, Lord, to uh, love the way you love. To live, Lord, the way you lived and to do the Father's work for us every day with what the Father provides, the way you completed everything the Father had sent you to do. Lord, we long to love people and love people well and be loved by people. Will you just help us, Lord Jesus, to be enough like you?
live in relationships. We can be healthy and happy and functional, Lord, and uh, able truly to show people the light that comes from Jesus. We pray these things in his precious name. Amen.